You're listening to a presentation of The Rising. We're always encouraged to know God is changing lives through this ministry. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know and send an email to stories at wearetherising.com. Now, prepare your heart and mind to hear a word from God. So, I uh, feel added pressure today to preach a sermon that will give some power to somebody today. I feel that added pressure because uh, you braved the snow to get here. So you should give it up for yourselves, just for your adventurous spirit. And I need you to give it up a little more than that because like I said, I have a sermon I'm gonna preach to you and the way that it works is I'm just better when you respond. That's how that works. So if you want the sermon to suck, don't say anything. But. If you want it to be great, I'm gonna need you to preach with me. You know, I'm so grateful for all of our team members who showed up early this morning to set up this environment, to do what it is they did to create an environment like this so that you could experience God in a a whole new way. And um, you know, we, we do all sorts of work every single Sunday. Our team members show up week in and week out to set up banners, set up chairs, to to make sure this is the right atmosphere. And and, you know, with it being snowy outside, we, we actually, had to shovel some of the sidewalks out there. I think we have some actual footage of that shoveling that took place. Here it is right here. (laughs) Yeah, he fell for like nine seconds. Uh, So... Uh, I'm, I'm grateful for our team members and all the work that they do to, to make this happen. And uh, like I said, I just feel this added pressure to give you a word with some power today. But I, but I think I have it in me if you'll, if you'll pull it out. And the way that you pull it out, like I said, is, is through your response. So if I say anything good, if I say anything that's worth responding to, you just, just respond. We, we have a culture like that in our church where I know, I know we're mostly white church, but, but you can still respond. You can, if it, if it resonates with you, just say, well or just clap, say, come on, preacher, whatever, and it helps me, helps me get it out. But, um, but, but I'm excited. And for those of you who are joining online, thank you for joining us. Um, you're a bunch of wussies for staying at home. Now, <laughs> all right, Alexander Hamilton, a great president, once said, those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. Abraham Lincoln, the great Emancipator said, be sure to put your feet in the right place, then stand firm. Billy Graham, the great evangelist, once said, courage is contagious. When a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are often stiffened. And finally, the late great songwriter Bob Marley said, get up, stand up. Stand up for your rights. Get up, stand up. Don't give up the fight. Bob Marley also said, I shot the sheriff. Uh, But it is important to note that he did not shoot the deputy, so give that to him for his credit, right? Today we're starting a brand new series called Just Short, and and this is a series that uh, is going to explore the experience that so many of us have in our lives where, where oftentimes, I believe, we come up just short of all that God has called us to, that, that God has called us to something greater. But for so many of us, in our experience, we come up just short. Because Jesus said this in John chapter 10, verse 10. He said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Not I've come that you can just kind of struggle through life. Not that you can just kind of uh, uh, survive in life or just barely get by in life. But I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. 
There's a, a phrase in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 19, that encourages us to take hold of the life that is truly life. You know, we're a church designed to see people raised to true life, yet so many of us, our experience is one where we feel like we come up just short of the promises that God has for us contained in the scriptures. We, we read what's in the Bible and we see, okay, if that's how life is supposed to be, well, I look at my life and I find that I come up just short of experiencing that kind of peace, of having that kind of power in my life, of, of living out that kind of contentment. And what I wanna do in this series is I wanna help bridge the gap between what we see in the scriptures and what we often experience in our life. I wanna help us no longer come up just short. And you may have noticed that the graphic of this series uh, is a rough sketch of Michelangelo's creation of Adam. And uh, I, love, I love this image here. I actually asked my wife, who's, who's our graphic designer, um, to, to design this for this series. Uh, by the way, real quick, uh, I'll just let you know this. My wife, she's a professional graphic designer. That's why I married her, because I knew I was starting a church and I wanted, anyway. Um, <laughs> I'm just joking. But she's a professional graphic designer and um, she's our main graphic designer who gives uh, her time to design a, a lot of what happens in our church. Yeah, it's really great. So she works full time and then she comes home, she takes care of our kids, I take care of them too. But then she'll give her time afterwards, usually around nine o'clock at night till 10 or 11, uh, designing stuff for our church. And um, she, she doesn't get paid to do that, she just volunteers to do that. And we have a lot of projects that are in the pipeline right now that are on hold that we love to design, but we just can't because she can only do so much and we only have so much capacity with the graphic designers that are available to us. So if you are a graphic designer, this is a long commercial to say, we have an opportunity for you to get involved and help make uh, our church look good. Now, when I say if you're a graphic designer, I'm not saying like you design something in Microsoft Paint or something like that. I'm talking about, you know, you're a graphic designer, you know what you're doing. And if you're interested in helping out using the gifts that, that you've developed to, to help in this movement, uh, I wanna invite you to stop by the black tables and, and let us know. We'd love to, to see your skills and see what you got. But, but I asked my wife to design this because um, I feel like it so well encapsulates this imagery of coming up just short. First, it's, it's a rough hand sketch. And so it, it's just short of being completed. It, it, it's not there yet. But then also it's the creation of Adam that's painted by Michelangelo. In the early 1500s, Michelangelo painted uh, this piece on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. And uh, this piece is so fascinating to me because uh, by the way, we censored uh, this painting. I mean, I mean, Michelangelo, it, it, like man parts were fine in the 1500s, but today, a little too risque. So we decided to censor it for you. You're welcome. And um, what's fascinating to me about this, this image is not the small gap between God and man. I mean, there's, there's this small gap. It's like God is so close and yet he's so far away from Adam. It's fascinating to me, but, but what's even more fascinating to me is the posture and the positioning of both characters here. See, see when you look at the image, you can, you can see that the God character, if you, if you actually saw the whole thing, then, then you would see that, that God is straining, he's stretching forward, his finger is fully extended to try and connect with his creation. But then when you look at Adam, Adam is lazily laying on his elbow, arm resting on his knee, fingers barely extended forward. You, you see the look on Adam's face, and it's apathetic at best. 
And what I find fascinating about this, this image that Michelangelo portrayed is that God is stretching, straining, longing to connect with his creation, yet his creation couldn't care less. And, and I find that so often, this is, this is our story. Like this is, this is our story. The reason why there's a gap between God and man is not, the, the, the fault doesn't lie on God's part, but it's on man's part. I mean, he's just barely giving any kind of effort. And this image gives a great picture to what the Apostle Paul, the, the, the great early church planter, once preached to a crowd of people in the city of Athens. It's Acts chapter 17. He, here's what he told this crowd of people. He said, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. Verse 26, from one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. This says that God ordained when you would live and where you would live. And so if you're here today, you're here for a purpose. Some of you were stationed here by the Navy, but you're not here because of the Navy. You're here because God destined for you to be here in this place. So listen, and some of you end up in a place and you hate it. I hate where I am. I can't wait to move. No, you should love the sky you're under because God placed you there for a purpose. Here's what this says, that he ordained, he appointed times in history when you would live and the boundaries of your lands. God had you here for a purpose and here's why verse 27 God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him though he's not far from any one of us here's what that passage says that God is not far from any one of us and if we would just reach out we'd find him and here's what that picture put put the image of, of Adam Adam's creation again here's what this image says that if Adam would just reach out a little more he would find God he would connect with his creator you know, so often, many of us feel as though we're far from God, and we wonder why. Or, or things aren't going right in our life, and we point our finger to blame the heavens. But according to this picture, and according to what we just read, God isn't far from any one of us, and instead of pointing to the heavens and blaming God, I think we should point the finger back to us and say, what do I need to do differently? What, what, what do I need to change? Because if I were to just lean in a little more, then maybe I'd see what it is I'm trying to find. My hope is that when you feel like you're coming up just short in your life, this image will come to your mind. That, no, not that image, the other image, the graphic that we created, because I don't want people thinking of the black line. And Okay, my hope is that this image would come in your mind and you would see if I, if I just lean a little further, if I just press into God a little more, then I'll connect with my creator. And so I said, I said honey, because that's what I call my wife, honey, Babe, I, I won't tell you the other names I call. But I said, can you create this image? Because I want people to see the, what it looks like to come up just short, to, 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 to just be barely done, to, to be so close and yet so far away so that this image would come in their minds when they think of, of, of coming up just short in their relationship with God. And if I were to just lean forward a little more, then maybe I'd connect with them. And so in this series, I want to help us bridge the gap between what we see in the scriptures and what we experience in our own life. And, and, and I feel like a, a series like this is so fitting, especially for this time of year, um, because it's in this time of year that so many of us, we wanna lose weight, we wanna put on muscle, we wanna get out of debt, we wanna save a little more, we wanna kick a bad habit, we wanna overcome an addiction, we, we wanna change in our lives. But the truth is, 92% of us will come up just short 
in reaching our New Year's goals. Studies tell us that only 8% of people ever accomplish what they set out to achieve at the beginning of the year. And I wanna help us not fall just short, but, but, but go completely to accomplishing what it is we've set out to achieve. And to lay the foundation for this entire series, uh, I want to give you the, the title for my sermon today. Th this sermon is just a foundation layer for the rest of the series. And the title for my sermon is this, We Are Those Who Don't Shrink Back. If you would take a moment to write that down in the notes section of your program, we are those who don't shrink back. We are those who don't shrink back. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open up to Hebrews uh, chapter 10, verse 36. It's Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 36, we'll have the words for on the screen as well. Um, but the author of Hebrews is writing to a persecuted people. These are, these are early Christians who are being persecuted under the Roman government. These are people who are being arrested and killed for their faith. So, some of you were wondering, should I drive in the snow to come to church? These are people who are being killed because they're part of a church. And so Paul who's the author of Hebrews is, is writing to this persecuted people and he needs to give them some encouragement. These are people who are going through some hardships and some trials in their life and when you're going through some stuff, you need uh, some encouragement to persevere and that's exactly what he says to them in Hebrews 10.36. He says, you need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he's promised. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you'll receive what he's promised. Now, I want to take a moment real quick to pause and let you know this, that the love of God is unconditional, that there's nothing you can do to earn the love of God. This passage isn't talking about God's love, because the truth when it comes to God's love is this, that God loves you for who you are and not as you should be, because none of us are as we should be. Have you heard me say that before? Say yes. Yeah. And I say it so often because so many times we forget it. We feel like we got to earn God's love. We feel like, well, if I could just be good enough, then God will love me. But the truth is, God loves you for who you are and not as you should be because none of us are as we should be. The truth is that God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to be a sacrifice for you. To, to live a perfect life, a life we can't live, and then to die the death that we deserve. See, when Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago, he took your sin and my sin on himself, and when Jesus died, our sin died with him, and he gave us the gift of forgiveness on the cross. And you don't have to earn that. You don't have to do anything to get God to give you that gift. He's already given it to you. All you have to do is accept it. And the way that we accept that gift of forgiveness is by believing that Jesus died for us on the cross, that he rose again from the dead. And because we believe that, we say, God, I wanna follow you. Like, I wanna, I wanna make you the leader of my life. I wanna give you my life, and I wanna be baptized into you, having my sins washed away and having your spirit come to live inside of me. And I wonder if you've ever made that decision today, to say yes to Jesus. To say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me and rose again from the dead. And you know, I, I wanna live for you. I wanna make you the leader of my life. And I've never been baptized. I've never made the decision on my own to be baptized into you. And I wanna make that decision today. If you've never made that decision, I wanna invite you to decide that today, to not leave having not made that decision. When you came in, you received a program. And in that program is a connect card. It's at the bottom of the program. And at the bottom of that connect card, there's a box that says, I wanna accept Christ as my savior and be baptized. If you've never made the decision 
to believe in Jesus, to give him your life, and to follow him and be baptized into him. I wanna invite you to fill out that connect card, drop it off at the black tables. We got some people there who would love to talk with you about that decision and get you ready to be baptized, to set a date for you to be baptized. But the love of God is unconditional. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about the promises of God. And the promises of God are conditional. You you see it right here in the text. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36. He, He said, you need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he's promised. Again, the love of God is unconditional. The promises of God are conditional. He said, persevere so that when you've done the will of God, what God has called you to do, you will receive the promises. So when you practice the principles of God, you experience the promise of God. The opposite is true as well. When you don't practice the principles of God, you won't receive the promises of God. See, sometimes people come up to me and they say this. They say, Pastor, I I feel so far from God. I feel so disconnected. I feel like God is far from me. What do I do? And I'll ask them, well, are you reading the Bible? No. Are you praying? No. Are you serving anywhere? No. Are you in a group? Are you in community with it? No. Are you giving? No. Is church a priority? Well, I mean, I try and make it a priority. But no wonder you feel far from God. Because you aren't practicing the principles of making him priority in your life. When you practice the principles of God, you'll experience the promise of God. That's what he says. When you've done the will of God, you'll receive what he's promised. Pastor, I just, it's so hard. I got like, I have financial stress. I got financial trouble. I just don't know what to do. Well, well, are you going into debt? Yeah. Are you giving? No. Well, of course you don't have financial peace because you're not practicing the principles that God has laid out in his word so that you experience the promise. That's just how it works. Somebody comes up, I mean, you get it, even, even beyond spiritual stuff. If you come to me, and I'm not a mechanic, I don't know how to fix your car, but if you're like, my car doesn't run, and I'm like, do you put gas in it? No, well, of course it doesn't run. You gotta put gas in it for it to work. This is what he's saying, persevere. Keep going, even though it gets hard, even though it's tough, even though it's difficult, keep going, persevere, so that when you've done the will of God, as you continue to practice his principles, as you continue to do what he tells you to do, then you'll receive what he's promised. And then he goes on, verse 37, for in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay, but my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. What he's saying here is that one day Jesus is going to return. And when he comes, the question is, will he find us faithful? He says, my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. And then the author of Hebrews turns to his audience and it's like he explains to them, but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. He says, listen, listen, if you're a Christian, if you're somebody who follows God, we are those who don't shrink back. No, 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 we stand firm. We persevere, we keep going, that's who we are. But so often, so many of us do shrink back. And the image of shrinking back is is someone who quits. Is is somebody who slinks back into the shadows uh, when they feel defeated. The image of somebody shrinking back is is one who 
because of fear, it stops them in their tracks and they, and they can't move forward anymore, but instead they, they turn and walk away. He says, no, 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 no. We are those who don't shrink back. Do you see yourself as a person like that today? We are those who don't shrink back. In the face of conflict, we don't shrink back. In the face of doubt, we don't shrink back. When things are getting difficult in our life, we are those who don't shrink back. But we stand firm and we press on. We move forward because we're headed somewhere. That's our identity. That's, that's what he's calling us to. That's what we need to understand. We're not some timid person who just kind of cowers about life and becomes this doormat for people to walk. No, we are those who don't shrink back. And if you're going to be somebody who doesn't settle for something just short of God's call on your life, then I want to give you three areas to stand firm in. So here's three areas for us to stand firm in so that we, we won't shrink back, but we'll we'll move forward to experience all that God has called us to. The first area is this. You say, you say, I refuse to deviate even one degree from my true identity. I feel like a rapper. I, I refuse to deviate even one degree from my true identity. Anyway, now you can write it down like this. We won't shrink back from our true identity. That's my first point. We won't shrink back from our true identity. You know, it's so true that how you perceive someone is how you'll receive someone. Did you get that? Let me say it again. How you perceive someone is how you'll receive someone. So how you perceive, how you see someone will determine how you treat them. And so if you perceive someone as being valuable, you'll treat them as valuable. If you perceive someone as, as worth your time, you'll treat them as worth your time. If you see somebody as just common, then you'll treat them as common. If you see somebody as not worth your time, you'll treat them as not worth your time. This is really what honor is about. Honor is assigning value and worth to someone. How you perceive someone determines how you receive someone. And the opposite is true as well. How you receive someone shows how you perceive someone. I hope I don't lose you in this. How you treat someone gives commentary on how you see them. And so I know you say you love your wife and she's the most important thing to you, but the way that you treat her shows me otherwise. See, actions speak louder than words. So how you see someone will determine how you treat them and how you treat them shows just how you see them. Now, this is also true about you. Not just about other people, but it's true about you. How you see you will determine how you treat you. And I'm convinced that so many of us settle for something just short of God's best in our life because we don't see ourselves properly. We have an identity crisis. You know, I, I, I just believe that if we really understood who we were, if we just knew our identity and lived it out, it would transform everything in our life. But so many of us develop identity amnesia because we forget who we really are. So can I just take a moment this morning to instruct you on your true identity? Can I teach you on that? Is that okay? Do I have your permission? Okay, good. Let me, let me tell you who you are. You are somebody who's made in the image of God. 
And, you know, I come back to our identity so often because I think we forget it so much that, that I just want it to become the center of who we are. You are made in the image of God. See, when God created everything else in all of creation, he spoke it into existence. But when he got to the crown of his creation, the pinnacle of creation, his masterpiece, humanity, he didn't speak us into existence. But the scriptures say that he molded us from the dirt. You mold something with your very own hands. So when God got to humanity, when he created the first man, he got down on his hands and knees. He got his hands dirty and he made the first man. He didn't speak us into existence. And then when he was ready... He breathed his breath into Adam's lungs. What that means is that you have the breath of God in you. Because your great, 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 great granddaddy had God breathe into his lungs and he passed that on to his son and his son and his son and his son all the way down to you. You have the breath of God in you. You are made in the image of God. What that means is that you have purpose, you have meaning, you have identity. You are not some accident, but you are made in the image of God. Do you understand that today? See, it gets better. It gets better than just that. The scriptures teach that if you are a Christian, you've been adopted into the family of God. So that means that you're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. And the Bible teaches us that God is the King of kings and the Lord of Lord, lords. So God is royalty, which makes you royalty. Do you understand that? The Bible says that God, uh, that the cattle on a thousand hills belongs to God, that the earth is and the fullness thereof belongs to God. So everything belongs belongs to God and he's your daddy. So that means that it belongs to you too. You are a child of a king. You're a son and a daughter of a king. You are a prince and a princess. If you saw yourself as royalty, do you think you treat yourself a little differently than you do? Do you think you talk down to yourself like you do sometimes? Do you think you'd have this woe is me attitude if you really understood that you were royalty in the sight of a king? This is who you are, but it gets better than that. Because the scriptures go on to teach us this, that you're more than a conqueror. That, that nothing is impossible for you through Christ. That you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. The scriptures teach us that you are God's prized, priceless possession. That he knows every hair that's on your head. For some of you, that's not a lot. But he knows every hair that's on your head. That God knows you inside and out. God has all the days of your life ordained before any of them came to be. That means you have a destiny to live out. This is who you are. The scriptures teach that you are a royal priesthood, a chosen people called by name, called for greatness. This is who you are, that the spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. You have resurrection power in you. This is who you are. You are loving. You're kind. You're generous. You have the fruit of the spirit in you, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You have all of that available to you. This is who you are. Now what if you remembered that tomorrow? How would it change your Monday? What if you remembered your identity and accurate, accurately understood who you were when you woke up tomorrow? You wouldn't say, dear God, get this day over with but you'd say, this is the day that the Lord has made. 
devil, you better watch out because I am ready for greatness today because I know who I am. When you walk into work, everything would change. What if you didn't just remember this tomorrow, but what if you remembered it on Wednesday when the week had worn on and you started getting weary? What if you remembered who you were? What if you remembered who you were in your dating relationship? You'd be like, "Uh uh-uh. Because we're not doing that till you put a ring on it because I'm royalty, honey. It would change everything. What if you remembered your identity in your marriage? Better yet, what if you assigned that identity to the person you're married to? Not just you understood who you were, but you understood who they were. How would you treat your spouse differently? See, so often we suffer from identity amnesia. But I've come this morning to remind you of who you are, and we are those who won't shrink back from our identity. You got to know who you are if you're going to experience the life God has called you to experience. Because when you don't know who you are, you'll settle just short. And I don't want that for you. So the first area is we have to be those who say we won't shrink back from our true identity. The, 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 the second area is this, we need to say we won't shrink back from our calling. We won't shrink back from our calling. Let me ask you, have you ever stopped to, to ask this question, uh, why am I here? Not me, but you. Have you ever wondered about yourself, why am I here? Why was I plucked from non-existence to be born into this world? Like, what is my purpose for living? Have you ever asked yourself that question? And if so, what's the answer you came up with? Like, did you, did you ask this, why am I here? And then you came up with this answer, oh, I know, the reason I'm here is so that I could buy a car with a low APR payment. That's why, that's my whole goal. No, 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 the reason I'm here is so I can get a 750 credit score or above. That's, that's why I exist. Is that, is that the answer you came up with? Because that's how many of us live our lives. Striving for and, and, and going after that. The, the reason I was born is, is so that I could, I could work a job that I hate for 30 years just so I could pay the bills. That's what life is about, paying bills, right? I mean, that's, that's why we're here. Why, why are you here? See, I, I would suggest that it's, it's for way more than what we live for. I would suggest that God has called you to something even greater than just surviving and getting by in society. You know, Jesus actually gave us uh, some hints as to our calling and why we exist. Matthew chapter five, verse 14, here's what Jesus said about you. Here's your calling. He said, you're the light of the world. You're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl, but instead they put it on a stand so it gives light to everyone in the room that they can see. And then he said, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Your calling is to be the light of the world. How are you doing at shining? That's your calling. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. He, he said, I, I want you to follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. The reason I'm here, my purpose is, is because I wanna follow Jesus and I don't always get it right. I'm not perfect or anything like that. Yeah, I get it, I get it. But if you follow me, come on, come on, come on, come on. I'm gonna lead you to Jesus because I'm following his example. That's your calling. 
is, is to be the kind of person where people look at your life and they say, I want what you got. Because you found something I don't have. There's a hope that you have, a love that you have, a joy that you have, a peace that you have, and I want what you got. You know how people are gonna see that? Because you're the light of the world and you're shining. Because you're following the example of Jesus and saying, I don't, I don't always get it right, but I think I know where I'm going. That's what you've been called to, to be an example, a light to others. How are you doing at setting an example? How are you doing at shining your light? Ephesians chapter two, verse 10 gives us some more. It says this, we are God's handiwork. Another translation says we're his craftsmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Th this means that before any of those days come about, God has uh, purposed some things for you to do. He's planned it out, and now it's up to you to actually do it. You are here to do some good in this world. That's your calling. Not to live for yourself, not to build your own kingdom, but to build the kingdom of God. This is what you and I have been called to. There's a story that Jesus tells in, in Matthew chapter 25, and he says this, um, that this guy goes on a trip, and he entrusts some of his servants with different sums of money based on their ability. And uh, two of the guys take what was given to them, and they go and in invest it, they put it to work, and they earn double what they were given. And when the master comes back, they say, hey, you gave us this much, we doubled it, here you go. And the master says to them, well done. Well done, good and faithful servants. Come share in my happiness. And then one servant, he gives them some money and, and he, he just buries it. Like he takes what the guy gave him and he buries it in the ground. His master comes back, he digs it up and he's like, here's what you gave me. I buried it. I didn't do anything with it. I just let it sit underground. And the master's like, are you freaking kidding me? I mean, he doesn't say, are you freaking kidding me? He says another word, but I can't, I'm just joking. But he says, are you kidding me? I, I gave this to you and you buried it. You should have done something with it. You should have invested it at least. And then he takes what he has and he says, get away from me. You squandered what I gave you. I wonder, at the end of this life, when you stand before Jesus and he says, I gave you this gift of life, what'd you do with it? What are you gonna say? What would he say to you? Like would Jesus look at you and say, well done, way to go, you paid your bills on time, awesome. We say, way to go. You binge watched all those series on Netflix and you did it in record time, way to go. Would Jesus look at you and he'd say, man, look at all the followers you had on Instagram and Facebook. Way to go. Or, or, or instead, would he say, you poured yourself out for others because I came to be the servant of all and you followed my example and you served as well. Way to go. You live beyond yourself. Way to go. You increased in generosity year after year after year as you gave and gave and gave. Way to go. You realize that life wasn't about building your kingdom, but about building my kingdom, way to go. Hey, let, let me introduce you to some of these people who are in heaven because of your example. Way to go. I think, I think that's what we wanna hear from Jesus. Well done, 
Well done, good and faithful servant. But that only comes about when we live in our calling and we realize that we aren't called to simply live for ourselves, but to live for something greater. If you live for yourself, all you'll have to show for it is yourself. But if you live for something more, man, the sky's the limit of what you can accomplish and who you can impact. So, so we are those who don't shrink back from our calling. And then, and then finally, we are those who don't shrink back from our mission. We are those who don't shrink back from our mission. If we're gonna, if we're gonna live out all that God has called us to, to experience in our life, we need to be those who don't shrink back from our mission. You know, when Jesus was here, uh, he said he had a mission. And his mission is found in Luke 19, 10. Here's what he said, the son of man came to seek and save the lost. The reason why Jesus was born 2,000 years ago and why he lived on this earth is so that he could seek and save the lost. That's why he came. And ultimately his mission would take him to the cross. He knew that he was born to be a sacrifice for us to pay our sin debt so that we could be restored to God, so that we could have a relationship with God, so we could be made right in God's eyes. This is why Jesus came, that was his mission to seek and save the lost. And there was this time, just a few hours before he would be betrayed and arrested and crucified, that the weight and the pressure of his mission got to him and he withdrew to the solitary place in a place called the Mount of Olives. And he got away from his disciples and he just, he just got there with God. He dropped to his knees and he cried out, and here's what he prayed. It's found in Luke 22, 42. He said, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. It's right here that Jesus is saying, God, I don't wanna do this. I wanna quit. I've come to seek and save the lost, but I wanna give up. This is too much for me, it's too hard. Can you take this away from me? It's in this moment that Jesus wants to shrink back from the mission. But he says, that's what I want. But God, it's not about what I want. It's about what you want. So I'm willing to do whatever you tell me to do. But, but, but can you please take this away? <laughs> it's in this moment Jesus wants to quit. Jesus knows what it's like to feel the pull to quit. He knows what it's like to, to want to give up. And if you're there now in your life, Jesus knows exactly what you feel. He's been there, he's done that. God, I don't wanna do this. I wanna shrink back from the mission. But I love the next verse, verse 43. Jesus said, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And then verse 43 says, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. I don't know what the angel did to strengthen Jesus. The conversation's not recorded, but he did something to boost Jesus' confidence, his, his grit, his resolve so that he would go through with the mission. And if I were to just guess what the angel said to Jesus, Imagine the angel showed up to Jesus and just reminded him, Jesus, you're here for a mission. 
here for a reason. You're here for a purpose. Remember, it's to seek and save the lost. Imagine that the angel mentioned you to Jesus. I, I think the angel said your name. I think he said, Jesus, re remember why you came. You, you came for John. You came for Spencer. You came here for Jackie. You came to do this for Jill. This is why you came, remember. Remember. And imagine that Jesus saw your face right there in the garden. And he knew that if he didn't go through with his mission to give his life on the cross, he knew that for us it would mean separation from God for eternity. Imagine the angel just reminded him of his mission and that what he was doing was worth it. And Jesus got up from that garden, he was arrested, he was crucified on the cross, taking away our sin, and then he was buried in a tomb. But he wasn't gonna stay there very long because three days after his burial, Jesus rose from the dead. He emerged victorious with the keys of hell and death. He robbed the grave. He walked out of that tomb. And for the next 40 or so days, he spent time with his disciples, just teaching them, showing them evidence of his resurrection. There was one time where Jesus appeared to 500 people at the same time. So there were witnesses of his resurrection. There's evidence for the resurrection. And then just before Jesus would ascend into heaven, he got his disciples together, the 11 remaining disciples on this mountaintop, and he told him what we find in Matthew 28, 18. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus said, my mission is to seek and save the lost. And then he got his followers together and he said, tag, you're it. Go into all the world and make disciples. Go and preach this good news. Go tell them what you've witnessed here today. And the disciples now had this mission to seek and save the lost. You and I are on the search and rescue team of Jesus now. The mission has been handed down to us and we need to be the kind of church that says we will not shrink back from our mission because what we do is worth it. No matter what it is you go through in your life, no matter the hardships, no matter the trials, no matter the difficulties, you are on a mission to seek and save the lost. And we are the kind of church that will not shrink back from our mission because we've been called for great things. We've been called to do something amazing in this city and in the lives of people. We won't shrink back from the mission because we have a gospel to preach. We have people to reach. There's a hurting and dying world out there and we are the hospice care for them. We will not shrink back, but we will move forward to seek like you're coming up just short in your life remember your identity remember who you are you stand in front of a mirror and you tell yourself who you are I'm a child of the king I am more than a conqueror I can overcome 
when you start to feel like you're coming just short in your life you say no 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 I refuse to shrink back from my calling because I'm here for a purpose and I'm not gonna get sidetracked by this sin I'm not gonna get distracted by this crazy dramatic relationship I'm here with a calling when you start to feel just short in your life you remember I'm on a mission I'm on a mission and life is not about me but life is about how many people can I share the love of God with because I'm on my way to heaven but I want to take as many people with me as I can don't don't come up just short don't shrink back from who God says you are from what he's called you to do and the mission he has you on let's not be those who shrink back can I just give you the words of encouragement Paul told his audience just imagine Paul was was writing this to them in Hebrews and I, I can see his his uh, tone kind of ramp up he crescendos at this last point he says he says listen I know you're being persecuted I know you're falling just short in life but you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Again, there's a, there's a promise that we're going towards. You will receive it. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay, but my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. And this isn't the author of Hebrews writing to them. This is me saying it to you. Here we go. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed. No, we belong to those who have faith and are saved that is who you are we are those who don't shrink back would you pray with me God I want to thank you so much for the identity you've given us as your sons and daughters as people loved by you I want to thank you for the calling you've given us a calling greater than ourselves and God would you remind us of the mission that we're on that we found something and found people find people remind us of that mission let us never get tired of it remind us that our mission is worth it God let us not shrink back I pray that if there's anybody here today who feels like giving up who feels like quitting who feels like shrinking back God remind them that we are those who don't shrink back in Jesus name Amen Thank you for listening to this podcast we pray you were inspired and encouraged by today's message. If you'd like to support this ministry financially, sign up to serve on a team, join a group, or just find out more information on The Rising, visit us at wearetherising.com.